Good morning, everyone. Welcome, and welcome, everyone, uh, uh, at your house. If you're watching us on your app or uh, in your computer or device, thank you for being with us. Thank you for joining us. And my name is Samuel Macias, and I'm so grateful to see you and to be here. I'm so, well, this is a long weekend, so please enjoy your weekend, and thank you for being part of us and be our church and be with us. And uh, this is a good time to, to be here. This is a good time to pray our Lord. And please, if you have your attendance pads on your pube, Help us and, and fill it out and, 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 and register your name, your family, so we can know that you are here. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. Um, and also, let me remind you, you have a cell phone and you want to have a reminder about the events that we're having as a church, men's meeting, prayer meeting, Bible study, or something, a special event that we're having, you can have those texts or reminders just Text FUMC on 55498. Again, first, oh, I mean FUMC 55498. And you will receive texts, not a lot of them, but just reminders about the activities and events that we are having, especially those events that you are willing to participate. So thank you. Thank you for being with us. And again, this is a good time to be at church, and I just let Peggy and Laura to lead us in worship. Thank you.
Today is the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is the time where we celebrate and remember the 50 days after Easter, when the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples and the other followers of Christ, marking that time as the start of the Church of Jesus Christ. During our call to worship, I invite you to stay seated. You will have a chance to respond in spoken word and as well as through song. The choir will sing first and then I will direct you when it's time to sing. Hear these words. Come Holy Spirit of God, bring your mighty power into our lives. Rush through our spirit, inspiring us to witness to the great love of God. Come Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit of God, light bright flames in our hearts. Fill us with the confident spirit of faith that our lives will show your love. Spirit of God, bright flames in us in your Holy Spirit of God, be with us today in our thoughts and our prayers. Come, Holy Spirit of God, be with us in our words and our deeds. Amen. Now let us stand together as we sing our opening hymn.
things we do as a community of faith is affirm our beliefs together. The Affirmation of Faith Apostles' Creed is found on page 881 in your United Methodist Hymnal. Please join me now as we affirm our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Well, I'd like to invite our children to come down to our usual spot here on the steps for Faith Like a Child. Come on down. Not bad. Not bad. Hey, friends. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Mr. Mark isn't here today because he's celebrating. He is. He is celebrating the college graduation of his daughter, Emma. Isn't that neat? So we're also celebrating here in the church. Today is Pentecost Sunday. We heard Mr. Thomas talk about that a moment ago. We, we've sung about that already. And think of all the beautiful things we saw. Remember the, the bell banners coming in and all the streamers that were in the balcony? Hey, good to see you guys. Well, it's fun for us to remember that on Pentecost, God gave the gift of the Holy Spirit to the disciples of Jesus. And because of the Holy Spirit, they could begin to feel good inside again, and they could be excited about having beautiful lives again. So, I thought it'd be fun for us to use our five senses to think about some of the beautiful things in our world. Well, one of the senses is hearing. 
You know, it's always fun to listen to Miss Peggy when she plays something beautiful at the piano. Thank you, Miss Peggy. Yay! Now there's also, there's also um, touching or feeling. In fact, I bet if, if you all came down here to the main level, come down from the steps for a second, and I bet if we ran in place for about 10 seconds, we could feel our hearts, our hearts beat. Are you ready? Here we go. Stand up. Don't make me do this by myself. Ready, go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Can you feel your heartbeat? Oh, me too. Oh, thank you for doing that. You can sit down. Oh, we better have something to eat. You know, there's always tasting, and this pretend taco isn't something that we can take. Oh, I bet it's good. It isn't something we can taste, but we can think about all the kind of foods that we do like to taste. What are some of your favorites? Pizza. Pizza. Nachos, spaghetti. Spaghetti, nachos. Ice cream. Ice cream, all the classics. McDonald's, it's a whole host of things. Cake. Cake, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower. And there are so many good, thank you for those. There are so many good options, my. You know, there's also, there's also smell. And I brought this really pretty yellow candle that smells like lemonade, it is good. Come here real quick for a second so you can smell it. Yeah. Does it smell like lemonade, do you think? Mm -hmm. Isn't that good? Do you like that? Miss Jan, this can go to our house now. <laughs> now, the last sense that I wanted to talk about was the sense of seeing. Every Sunday in our church, there are so many beautiful things that we can look around and see. And also, this morning, I brought some flowers. Here are the flowers that I brought. I brought them because tomorrow is Memorial Day. And when I was your age, my parents would take flowers to the cemetery and they would put them on the graves of people who served our country and offered their lives for our freedom. And whenever they saw these flowers, it reminded them of all those beautiful lives. Well, today, tomorrow, and every day to come, I hope that you'll smile when you think about all the beautiful lives in our world. And I hope you'll remember 
that we can always use our senses to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit inside us and the Holy Spirit all around us. We are so glad that you're here today. And if you would like to go upstairs to the second floor for more activities, we'll meet right over there at the door and any other children can come as well. Bye-bye. Spirit to move yes. among us as we sing, Breathe you on did. Me, Breath of God. Today I'll be reading from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It's, what's printed here is the New Revised Standard Version, the updated edition. I invite you to join along in your own Bible, or if you choose the Pew Bible, it's on page 144 in the New Testament section. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested upon each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. God speaks to us 
through the reading of his scripture. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Bob. Before we consider today's, consider today's scripture reading and today's message, I want to say words of gratitude. Thank you to our service choir for leading us in worship this holiday. Thank you for Laura, our special guest on the harp. So thankful that you're here with us. Thanks to everyone who's a part of worship here today, uh, particularly to our tech team. I want to say uh, welcome to all the folks who are worshiping here on Fifth Street, as well as the folks who are worshiping online from anywhere in the world. Although I'll be honest, on Memorial Day weekend, there's a suspicious number of logins coming from lake houses and the Colonial Country Club this morning. So God bless all of you who are worshiping in that way. If you're not familiar, we have something called the MyFUMC app. If you go to the app store on any of your devices, including a Roku device or an Apple TV at home, and you look up the MyFUMC app, that's our church's app. If you downloaded that, that to your device, it's a very stable and reliable way to worship with us from anywhere in the world. You can worship live, as a bunch of folks do, every single Sunday morning. You can also catch up on worship opportunities, as well as participate in other ways. I recorded an entire Bible. Bible study on the Gospel of Mark, line by line. You can go through that with me. Pastor Ginny is leading a Bible study. There's other things that are happening as well. One of the things I also want to lift up is that we see a lot of people who worship with our church, consider themselves to be a part of our church, but who aren't located in Fort Worth. And the app is the way that they do that. I just want to say, one, welcome to all of you. You are a part of our church. You can even join, no matter where you are located in the world. And also want to invite those of you who are a part of our community here in Fort Worth, Consider inviting your friends and family who live anywhere in the country, particularly if they don't have a church home. Share your church with them through the app. They would join a large portion of our community who worships with us very regularly and faithfully in exactly that way. So, hello. If we haven't introduced ourselves yet, my name is Lance Marshall. I'm the senior pastor here at the First United Methodist Church of Fort Worth. And I want to start the worship service this Sunday with sharing a story that happened in my life. It was 2017, April 2017. I was working here as one of the pastors at our church, and I was driving home, or excuse me, driving back to the church from lunch, and I got a phone call, and I picked it up while I was driving on 30. I had Bluetooth. It was safe, and it was a number I wasn't expecting, and it was a reporter from the NBC uh, DFW affiliate here in the area, and I don't know about you guys. My gut reaction to being called by a reporter is not thrilled. Um, and uh, I'm not sure that's how you find out you won the lottery or not. Um, so I got a call and I wasn't sure what had happened. And the reason that she was calling me was because I had told a story in the gathering worship service uh, and not too long ago. I had told a story and someone who was in the congregation that day had heard that story. And then she, a reporter, was sharing with her, this person that she knew one of the stories and things that she was working on uh, for the news that upcoming week. And they said, well, you need to talk to Pastor Lance over at First Fort Worth. And that's why she had called me. And I want to tell you a little bit of that story. The story that I had shared in the worship service had to do with my life when I was in my early 20s and I was living in Chicago. And if you've heard some of my life story, you know. I was uh, exposed to church as a young person, but didn't fully sink in. And by the time I was in high school and college and a young adult, I didn't consider myself a Christian. 
Um, but I, at some point in that point in my life, I was, uh, I was searching for answers. I was searching for a reason for being. I was searching for something more. And unbeknownst to a lot of my friends, not because I was hiding it, but just because they weren't interested, I was really starting to study about Jesus and participate in worship and church communities and, and learn and serve and give and just live differently because of this uh, new interest that I had in Jesus. And so this is what was happening in my life. And one evening, I might not have known this, but I obviously wasn't in ministry in my entire life. At that point in my life, I was the uh, manager of a fine wine, beer, and spirits boutique in Chicago. Um, so I was coming where all good pastors come from, the liquor store. And I was at, shocker, I was at a bar that night. Um, I was at a bar and I was visiting with my friend and we were both, I was in my early 20s, he was in my mid-20s, and we were just having a conversation about our future and I was asking him, what do you want to do with your life? He was kind of underemployed at the moment, as was I. And I'd ask him, you know, what are your goals? What are your hopes? Where are your dreams? Where do you see this life of yours headed? And he was answering the question. And then he asked me, well, what about you? What do you think? And uh, there I, I had a vision. All of a sudden I had, I had a vision. I saw something in front of me. And I want to acknowledge, yes, I was at a bar <laughs> where I had this vision. But I had been to a bar a lot before and a lot since and never had a vision again. So this was unique. <laughs> Didn't expect that to be funny, but... <laughs> I had a vision, and I'm sitting there to him, just talking in this bar in Chicago, and I'm, I see myself in a robe, and I'm, I'm preaching to a church, and it's, an, it's an, uh, an older sanctuary, and there's, you know, a balcony, and there's wood pews, and things along those lines, and all of a sudden, I just had this really strong conviction at that moment, and I said, I want to be a preacher, and I had never thought that thought before in my life. I never considered that possibility before in my life. Certainly never said anything to him about it. He didn't know I was going to church or was a Christian or anything like that. He said, I think you'd be a really good preacher. And that was it. And from that moment on, that, that moment, that incisive moment in time, from that moment on, that was it. I knew that's who I was being called to be. This relatively young Christian was being called to be in ministry. So that's not where the story ends. And that's not why the reporter called me. I'll finish that up at the end. Before we get to that, actually, uh, I want to talk a little bit about our physical church here, the First United Methodist Church of Fort Worth. Um, I've enjoyed, uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a big golfer, not a big golf fan, uh, which is hard to admit when you're a middle-aged man. I appreciate getting to be vulnerable with you guys. Uh, and obviously there's a PGA tournament here in Fort Worth, and I've heard that CBS loves showing our church when they're doing shots of Fort Worth and kind of establishing the tournament. I've gotten a couple different texts and messages from people saying they're showing your church over and over again on, on the broadcast, which is, which is really cool. And of course our church is blessed to be beautiful um, all over the place, internally and outside. But I'll be honest with you, it's the exterior of our church that leads me to get questions regularly. There's three questions I get asked all the time about what's going on on the exterior of our church. The first is, why are the towers different heights? The second is, why is Jesus holding a Bible? And the third is, why is Jesus standing next to a stump? And if you've ever worried about any of those three questions, the good news, I'm going to answer all of them for you today. And while I'm going to have a much different point that takes over the whole sermon, I'll be honest, I know that these are the three things that y'all are going to remember. The reason that the towers are different heights is that we're a neo-Gothic revival style of architecture. So the architect was simply paying homage to uh, cathedrals that were in Western Europe uh, in the Middle Ages and later. And the neo-Gothic 
uh, style was one that was being uh, called upon. And what was very common in those cathedrals was for towers to be of different heights. So I would love to tell you that there was a deep theological purpose behind that practice. But the truth is that sometimes it was because of financial limitations. Sometimes it was because the architecture and the stability of the building actually required those very heavy steeples to be at different heights for the, the long-term, multi-hundred-year integrity of the structure. And sometimes, and actually very common practice, is that those buildings would be built over the course of multiple generations. It would take a very long time for those cathedrals to be built. And sometimes the concluding generation would say, let's go ahead and build our steeple a little bit taller than dad's is. That's the truth, and that's why we have different heights, steeple, just an homage to that, uh, that um, era of architecture. Why Jesus is holding a Bible is idiosyncratic. For the, people, the reason people are asking that question is because assembled Bibles in loose-leaf pages like that never existed during Jesus' lifetime. For some of you, that's obvious. For some of you, that's a bit of a revelation. Jesus had sacred scripture, what we call the Hebrew Bible. He would have just called the Bible. Uh, and it was never assembled like that. It was only available in scrolls. Um, it was long before the Gutenberg Bible um, made printed copies of the Bible available. There were handwritten ones called codexes, but the first codexes wouldn't be assembled for hundreds of years until after his lifetime. So it's a bit idiosyncratic, but why it's included in the art is, of course, to make a point that this is how we come to know the story of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and live in connection with God in our life today. It's through the message contained in those scriptures. But can I tell you, out of those three questions, the stump is actually the most significant portion. The stump is actually what ties into our everyday life because the stump is actually key in how we live our life of faith today. The stump is. It's a reference, do you know this, to Isaiah. It's a reference to the prophet Isaiah in a portion of scripture. And I brought it out for you today. And it's Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 2. And Isaiah is a prophet who's preaching hundreds of years before Jesus' life and death and resurrection. But Isaiah is proclaiming something about what will come afterwards. And he says this, A shoot shall come out of the stump of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. And then it goes on to say about that person, the spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, and continues with the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. Now, if you'll remember, Jesse is the father of David, King David, the David who helps unify not only the kingdoms of Israel, but the, the David to whom God promises through your family and through your descendants, I will retain and remain in covenant relationship with people forever. What's realizing, uh, or where that word comes from, is at a time when that kingdom seems to have been destroyed, that lineage seems to be done, but out of that stump, out of that cut-off family tree, God says to the prophet Isaiah, a shoot's going to grow forth. And this incredible one, this one who's gifted, will have the spirit of the Lord upon him, a spirit of knowledge and might and power and understanding. So that stump is a signifier of through that lineage that people thought was gone and dead and through those promises of God that people thought were over. No, no, no. God's not done and the greatest is yet to come. But I'm telling that story today because of the emphasis on the spirit that's in that very same prophecy. I don't know, have you guys noticed today we got a little bit of a red theme going on? It was pretty subtle did y'all pick that up? It was a subtle little thing we dropped in today. There's one day of the Christian year you'll come when it's all decked out in red, and it's today. It's Pentecost. When you tell the story of the Christian year, you just have to tell some stories. 
You can't let a year go by without telling the story of the coming of God with us through the advent of Christ Jesus. And so, of course, every Christmas, we tell the story of what happened in that manger in Bethlehem so many years ago. And of course, you can't let the entire year go by without telling the story of Jesus' crucifixion and his death and three days later, his glorious and his improbable and his impossible and his miraculous resurrection. You can't go an entire year year without telling that story. But you also can't go an entire year without telling the story of what happened in that small upper room in Jerusalem 50 days later. You can't let an entire year go by without telling the story of Pentecost. Because the story of Pentecost is not just the story that Bob read that tells us what happened at that place and at that time for those people. It's the story of what changed in that moment for everyone, everywhere, for all time yet to come. That's why the story is so important. You might have heard someone say, in fact, if you were listening, you heard Thomas say earlier in this service, Pentecost is the day that we celebrate God's giving of the Holy Spirit. Did you realize that's not a new concept? It's something that had happened over and over again in the life of the people of Israel. There was this concept of the Spirit of God being given to people for a limited time and for a limited purpose. The Spirit of God would be active through the prophets as they proclaimed something, through leaders as they made something possible, but then they would experience a time of its absence. That was their understanding of the Spirit of God. These disciples, these followers of Jesus, the ones who had been with him during his life, the ones who had experienced the torture of his arrest and his death and the uncertainty and the unexplicability of his, of his uh, resurrection and then are now in this time of ascension where he's seemingly absent, but yet he has commissioned them to go out to the entire world to share the message of his gospel, the good news of his grace, to baptize people and to change everything everywhere. And if you're like me, they're probably thinking, how in the world do we do that? I mean, not only do we not have the strategy for how to do that, not only do we not have the strength for doing that, but I'll be honest with you, that wasn't exactly a group of A students to begin with. <laughs> if you read closely, the Gospels over and over again have Jesus saying, y'all, that ain't it. That's, that's actually an East Texas translation you can buy. How are we going to do this? How is this going to be possible? How are we going to continue to understand who it is that we are to be and what it is that we are to do? That's not just their question for then, is it? It's our question for now. But something changes on that moment. Something changes that not only affirms that Jesus is who he says he is, but it transforms what it is to follow him forever. If you'll remember, on the day he was to give himself up for us, he had a last supper with his disciples, and he knew what was coming next. He knew the reality of the crucifixion. He knew what would happen in his death. And even after his resurrection and his ascension, he knew how easy it would be for people who followed him then and in all time to feel like they were going to be alone. And he promised them and us that will not be the case. In John's gospel, there's an entire chapter. It's called the Farewell Discourse, and it's Jesus speaking, knowing this is the last time he's going to be physically present with them, and he makes a promise. He goes on to say, I will ask the Father, 
Father, and he will give you another advocate, a helper, to be with you forever. And then he goes on to say, this is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. He goes on to speak about other things and then he circles back. You will know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. Our next scripture selection, if you'd bring it up, please, continues on. He says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. I'm not done teaching. It's not up to you to remember perfectly. I will still be there. The work continues. The presence continues. And finally, he goes on to say in John 15, at the conclusion of this long, this long message to them, when the Holy Spirit comes, the Advocate comes, the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf, witness on my behalf, communicate what I would have you know. I'm not done speaking. I'm not done teaching. I'm not done revealing and guiding and comforting. You are not alone. And in that moment, for them and for us, Being a follower of Jesus was transformed from trying to perfectly remember what he said, trying to perfectly enact it in every way, and trying to perfectly make others do the same. And instead, when the transformation went of the Spirit of God and God's relationship with humanity went from being an every once in a while for certain people thing and through Pentecost became an every day for all of us thing, following Jesus was transformed into learning to listen and be aware to the presence of God in our everyday life, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, just like he promised, to discerning what it is that God would say to us individually and as a community, and to helping others learn how to do the same. Not about perfect doctrine, perfect enactment, and making others do the same. Instead, learning and growing in our ability to be aware to what it is that God is doing, discerning who God would have us be in this moment, what God would have us do in this place, and helping others to do the same. The reporter who contacted me contacted me because that story took an interesting turn, an even more interesting turn than having a vision. From that moment on, uh, I knew that this was the direction that God was calling me into. I knew this was the direction for my life, and so I took steps in that direction. Uh, I got engaged to my then-girlfriend, my now-wife. We moved back to North Texas to start our lives together. Uh, We went through some ups and some downs with my health issues. I've shared those stories. Um, Amazing things continued to happen, and at one point, I got called to serve a church. And I don't know if you guys are familiar, but in the United Methodist tradition, uh, saying, I feel called into ministry until you begin actually serving in an appointed ministry position as a pastor of a church can take a lot of time. We spend a lot of time helping candidates for ministry really discern their call and their gifts and the role into which God has called them. So for me, it was a really long time. But there was a day where I had a first day. Anybody else ever have a first day? I had a first day, and the difference when it's your first day being a pastor is you got to (laughs) preach. And it was my first day. It was here. It was Pentecost 10 years ago. 
this is my 10th anniversary. And so I was invited to preach. Uh, yeah, so if any of y'all that feel, any of y'all that feel inclined to point out the difference in my hairline, uh, the color of my beard, or my weight, I'd just remind you, it's your fault. <laughs> the, the reason the reporter asked to speak with me is that I had shared a story of what happened, and, and that was a long time ago in that bar in Chicago in my early 20s, I had a vision. And when someone asked me, what do you want to be with your life? I had a vision. And I've never had anything like that happen before or since. Can I just say that? Never had anything happen like that before or since. And it was me in a robe and preaching to a congregation in a sanctuary with wood pews and a balcony, etc. And on the first day, the first day, the first moment that I've been called into appointed ministry, I step into the pulpit in this place. And I'm wearing a robe. And there's the balcony. Not a balcony, the balcony. There's the pews, not pews, the pews. I had a vision of being called into ministry. The first day of serving God in that capacity, that vision fulfilled. I'm telling you that story, not because I expect that to ever happen in my life again, not because I expect that story to convince you of anything, not because I expect that to exactly happen in your life. I share that story because so often we feel like experiences of the Holy Spirit is reserved for the kind of people who are comfortable raising their hands above their belt in worship. And I can assure you, I'm not one of them. What had been happening in my life is that I was beginning to worship and to pray and to give and to serve and to learn and to play. I begin to devote my life to living in this way. And what I was doing unintentionally was opening up my ears and my heart to what God was saying in my life. Had been saying every day, I just wasn't listening. For hundreds of years, the Methodists have called those the means of grace, the ways that we connect with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is active in your life. The Spirit is speaking in your life. Moments like that are extraordinary and honestly don't happen to everybody everywhere. That's quite all right. I say that simply to challenge your preconceptions of what is and is not possible. For the vast majority of us, hearing from God, connecting with the Holy Spirit, feeling God's presence is much quieter and stiller and smaller, but God speaks. It's much more subtle, but the Holy Spirit is working. It's much more little, but it's powerful. For years now, here at the First United Methodist Church of Fort Worth, we've taught you, showed you, invited you to live a life of worshiping, to live a life of praying, to live a life of serving and giving and learning and enjoying the goodness of God's creation because those are the ways in which the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, present in that upper room in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, is present in this room, is present in your home, is present in your office and in your cars. That same Spirit still speaking, are we ready to listen. Pentecost is the day where you no longer have to worry what is God up to. Instead, you can just start to listen. May we continue to grow in our ability 
to recognize and become aware of the presence of God in our lives. May we begin to grow stronger and more confident in our ability to discern who it is that God would have us be, and may we continue to help others learn to do the same and let that be the hallmark of our Christian life and witness. Amen? Let us pray. Great and loving God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, great are you and greatly to be praised. Lord, you are present always. Help us to become aware of your presence. Lord, you are communicating always. Help us learn to listen. God, for those of us who have yearned to hear your voice, I ask you to speak in a way that we're ready to hear. For those of us who are yearning for your comforting embrace, I ask you to reach out to us in a way that we are ready to fill. And Lord, for those of us who have been running from you for so long, I ask you to give us the patience to finally stop and to turn and the trust to realize you've been with us this whole time. Guide us, shape us in the image of Jesus the Christ. And it's in his name that we pray the words that he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. One of uh, the means of grace uh, that we have to grow and help the church grow is through our donations. I mean, your offerings and tithes. So thank you, thank you so much for, gen for your generosity. And I call the washers to prepare for the offerings and tithes and let us bow our heads and have a moment of prayer. Thank you God for the opportunity to contribute to the extension of your kingdom here on earth and with our church. Receive our tithes and offerings with gratitude, trusting that they will be used wisely. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
Hi. If you have any questions uh, about how to connect, to find something, we have people right here, Lisa, Ryan, thank you for being there. Uh, they will help you to find a place. Uh, any questions that you have, they will more glad to help you. So please uh, meet them, greet them, and, and ask those questions that you need. If you are also looking for a small group, a Sunday school class, a Bible study, someone also will be there to answer those questions to you. Uh, if you also, if you're looking to find a place where to serve inside or outside the walls of the church, you have any questions about our membership uh, process or anything about life in First Church, our volunteers also will love to help if, if you request. Uh, I mean, if you're a guest, we also ask them. They have a gift for you. Uh, and also we have some people, uh, greeters, that they will help also help you at the Wesley Hall. So in... Yes, thank you. And also we have a congregational care team that will help you to pray for you. If you have a prayer need, prayer request, just come and, and we will help, help you to pray. Thank you. Just a reminder for those of you who are serving our church currently on the Board of Stewards, we have a brief bit of administrative business to do uh, for the church today. Here at 12.05, we're going to have a 90-second a, a call charge conference. So I'm going to invite you to go in the first couple of pews here, and we'll get started right at 12.05. Uh, we have to uh, quickly vote to affirm the candidates to annual conference and the nomination delegate, the delegates who come from the the uh, Committee on Lay Leadership and Development. And I say all of those things to say, if you're not on that community or committee, but that sounds exciting to you, we'd love to have you someday. <laughs> so just tell Pastor Mike, and he would love to get you connected for next year's Board of Stewards. Now, our gathering will soon be ended. Where will we go? And what will we do? May grace, peace, hope, love, and joy forever accompany you. Amen.